He would chicken scratch on a napkin and come up with a price and know how it felt and what that job should be because he'd done it forever. And I wanted to have a spreadsheet where you plugged everything in and we were job costing everything. And he was more interested in getting the job done faster and then seeing whether they made money at the end of the year. And he was good at that. But we just had different mentalities on, on running a company. My dad had come in from having a master's degree in college. He had a little bit more of a business picture and business education than what my grandfather did. But he had to struggle and had to grind to get the business off the ground. He had to do every single job in the company. And when I came in, it was more of a size and scale that it was about developing the business instead of developing a job. They say the difference between an employee and a small business owner is the small business owner owns his job and the employee works for somebody. The difference between the big business owner and a small business owner is the big business owner owns a system and the small business owner owns a job. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the show. My name is Jamie Gruber, host of the Tribe of Millionaires podcast with my co-host, Grant Warrington. Say hi, Grant. Hey, everybody. Glad to be here. I'm excited for this one. Aaron, heard a lot about you, buddy. Can't wait to hear more. Yeah, it's going to be exciting. So real quick reminder, subscribe, like, comment. It helps us grow the podcast. And if you're interested in joining GoBundance at any level, just go to GoBundance.com, submit your application, and we've got the community for you. So Aaron Caterberg is my guest. He is a GoBundance member. Uh, he is a GoBundance champion. He's a father, a husband, an entrepreneur, an investor, and he's got uh, pretty cool lifestyle stories that I think we're going to get into today. So Aaron, man, welcome. Thanks for being here. Hey, thanks, Jamie. I appreciate you having me on. Of course, of course. I'm ex I'm excited to get into this. So let's start with a little bit of backstory. We got three Michigan guys on the screen here, kind of. I'm like sort of Michigan guy right now, but three Michigan guys on the screen here. But what's your backstory? Where are you from? What do you do? All of that good stuff. Yeah, so I'm from the good side of the state over uh, Grand Rapids. <laughs> we um, agree. Actually, we agree with that. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. yeah most of the Detroit guys usually do. Yeah. So I, I I grew up here. I'm actually fourth generation here in Grand Rapids. Um, my my great grandparents on both sides moved over here from the Netherlands a long, long time ago. And our family's been very connected and intertwined with the community here. Um, I'm a third generation entrepreneur in the same industry. Um, so that's some of my quick backstory as far as business. Um, I always swore I was never going into the family business. And um, so went away to college and um, in the upper peninsula of Michigan, God's country up there and um, and studied political science, which I don't know what you do for a living with that, really. But uh, and, and then went on to graduate school for a while and worked on a master's in divinity out in British Columbia, Canada. And um, and then my wife finally decided after chasing her for like seven years that she would put up with me. And so we moved back here and moved back around family and, and I got drawn back into the family business and um, kind of the rest is history. But my, my grandpa and my dad were both very much S's um, that they ran small business. They were the guy that you describe all the time who are the true entrepreneurs at heart. Yeah. And I'm yeah. not sure I was that. Um, I, I'm, I've tried to develop the business more as a B. Um, I've fallen in love with real estate investing and side projects and squirrels um, <laughs> and tend to chase those more more than I chase the day-to-day -day grind and worrying about how to put pipes together sometimes. Wow. Well, I, there's something you threw in there that I want to start with. Uh, Masters in Divinity. What, what exactly is that and what was your intention with that? Yeah, so... Um, 
so what that is is that's what a lot of pastors in um in an evangelical background get and so that's that's a three-year degree um and i like many entrepreneurs i'm very add and um i'm kind of a sucky student um i was always smart enough to get by but i never could sit down and focus on the homework and get stuff done and so when i got to grad school it was all about jumping hoops and um there's some interesting stories behind that too out there and some of the stuff that happened but i got really humbled as far as my academic abilities uh when i was out there and it was like i i finished about a year and a half of it and it's like this is not where i'm called to be so had to figure some of that stuff out so i was on um, I was a youth pastor when I was out there. Um, I had worked with kids a bunch and, and given back in our church, both uh, here in Grand Rapids and in the Upper Peninsula, and really felt like that's where I was called to go and um, realized that I'm, I'm more gifted as an entrepreneur than I am as a preacher. Gotcha. So you're not divine then? No, I, I'm not divine. No, no. certainly not. But in, in 18 more months, you would have been. Yeah, I, I don't. I still don't think I would have been divine. I would have made understood divinity better. How about that? Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. Understood. Yeah. I, I don't. I'm. I'm. I credit you for even getting the bachelor's. Like I didn't make it that far. I don't think you did either, Grant. Right. So like I credit yeah, you with the no. bachelor's degree. So yeah. You're, you're, uh, Go ahead. Yeah, Re really, you should credit that to me being an athlete. Um, I was on tennis scholarship and uh, nice. and and coaches and people watched over me to make sure that I, I did enough to get by. Um, and so that that got me through undergraduate because I was not a good student. That makes sense. That makes that's mm -hmm. how that's all high school was for me. Like as long as I could play sports, I'd go to school. So yeah, but I didn't have the athletic prowess to get a scholarship uh, as much as I know people are surprised by that. When what, sports, what sports did you play? Hang on. We got to dive into this. I played yeah, soccer. I, I played one week of football before it really hurt. And then I stopped. Okay. And then I played, I played basketball, which my stature is, is pretty obvious with that. Um, wow. And then actually in the spring, I wouldn't do sports anyway. I wouldn't do baseball. I would do the play because, you know, I'm a creative. Oh, there you heart. go. It was yeah, for the girls. <laughs> I'd like to say that's the case, but I was so awkward with girls. Still am. But um, yeah. I, yeah, I actually enjoyed the entertainment value of that. I guess that's why I'm out here like, look at me, look at me with the podcast and all that shit. So yeah, it's 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 just sort of part and parcel of who I am. <laughs> nice. Um, all right. So you uh, mentioned the family business. What is the family business? What's the industry you're in? You can the name of it, whatever you want to mention there. Just kind of give us some background on that. Yeah, it's it's Rapids Irrigation is is our company. Um, it's was Caterberg lawn sprinkling a long, long time ago when my grandpa was in it. Uh, my grandpa actually had um, four sons and all of them were smart enough to get away from it and went other directions, including my dad. And um, my dad had worked, gotten a master's degree in physical education, was um, was working, running an athletic department and university, and then came back to Grand Rapids after being in Youngstown, Ohio, and um, started a, a an athletic club, a tennis club. And so he ran that and as a minority partner, he was the operating partner until I was about 12. And his uh, partner keeled over on the golf course, the one who owned a the majority, there were two brothers left in. And all of a sudden he was out on the street with no job and no payoff and um, had to figure out what to do. So 
He had a guy throw him the keys to one of his service trucks from an HVAC company and says, you know how to dig holes, get out there and start a sprinkling business again. And so he went back in in 1986 um, and I started digging holes instead of swinging a tennis racket um, or besides swinging a tennis racket, I guess. And um, the, the rest is kind of history from there. What made you want to not go into the business afterward? Was it just the path toward, you know, uh, being a pastor? You felt a draw there? Or was there something you didn't like about the business when you yeah. decided not to go pursue it? I, I've been thinking about that one a bit lately, actually. Um, I, the book that I've been listening to and, um, and reading and thinking about is The Wealthy Gardener. And it, like you kind of talk about the plays and who you are. And yeah, I mean, you've been talking a lot about um, becoming a middle-aged entrepreneur and that ring, yeah. really ringing a bell with you. Um, sprinkling never rang a bell with me. Um, impacting people, impacting kids, um, working in the world that way. Just, you see what your dad does. My, my, my dad and my grandpa would both uh, come home from uh, running crews all day, selling all day, um, chasing people work 12 hours days and then bill for three or four hours at night. Um, I, and I just don't tell anyone, but I, I don't have a passion necessarily for green grass. Um, and, and that's what we do is make grass green, beautify our community. And I've, I've learned to build into that and figure out how to add value and how to uh, apply it to my own heart and passions. But, as far as getting into that business, I just, I didn't have a draw to that. It, it was kind of like your story in insurance, but from a very different angle. Um, but the great part of being an entrepreneur is you're in control of it. So uh, I was able to shift that and, and change that into other things as, as my heart was drawn different places, as my, my leading was brought, drawn different places, as my passions were inspired with different things. Can you talk? This is interesting mm -hmm. to me. I'd like to talk about this for a second, because I think, you know, like my whole thing is quitting the job. Right. And I think quitting the job is the sexy, the sexy packaging on find fulfillment. Right. Like do something that fulfills you mm -hmm. for a lot of people quitting the job or getting out of the business or whatever is is very scary. But there's an opportunity like take a demotion with your current employer or mm -hmm. laterally move to another role that serves you. Or in your case, I guess in, in a way like pivot, pivot the, what the, not the values, but like the, the mission or, you know, how you want to take the company to be more aligned with you. Can you, can you talk about that? Like, I mean, there's so many questions within it about yeah. when did you, how did you get permission to all of that stuff? But can you just sort of start there and we'll dig in on this a little bit? Cause I think this is a key point for me at least. And I know for a lot of people that might be listening. Yeah. So <laughs> as you talk about values and you didn't quite want to go there, but I'll, I'll go there a little bit. Um, and over time I've had to struggle and figure out, we started traction, I don't know, six or seven years ago now as a company. And, and I realized I need to have my own core values defined. And that exercise has made me realize why the company has drawn me the way that it has and why it has, has worked with me and what's important to me. And so I went, my, my first one is, is serving Jesus Christ. My second one is my family. Um, my, my third one is seeing others. Um, my, my fourth one is uh, varied experiences. And the fifth one is life is a process, not a product. And, and I didn't come to those quickly. Um, and 
I, I wrote out a whole bunch of things, did the whole uh, kill, keep, combine exercise from EOS, which a lot of people who listen to this are probably a little bit familiar with at least. Um, and, and realized that when, when I came into the business, um, I had sworn I, I wasn't going to, I, I came back from graduate school and before I married my wife, I was uh, spending a little bit of time uh, working in the company and was figuring out what that meant just to pay the bills, um, getting out of college. And so I went, I'm, I'm not going to do this. And then, so I went and worked for another company. Um, left and just was butting heads, hated how my dad ran things because he had his hands in everything and we were butting heads and I go, you could scale this, you could change this, blah, 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 blah. And um, so he had both of his managers. Um, he was very lineal vertical, right? He ran everything. Um, and both of his managers, his construction manager and his service manager quit a couple weeks before the spring started. Oh, in spring man. in Michigan, we're a seven-month season for an irrigation business, which adds a really weird, interesting dynamic. And so he was basically caught with, I have to run a company. I don't have anybody to do it with. And um, so he begged me to come back. And at that point, we both kind of realized that I had more of a gifting for for working with people and and developing processes and vision, as well as with the numbers um, uh, of the business. And in that role, I was much better than I was, not that I wasn't a capable service technician or installer, but I had much more of a passion for being an entrepreneur and a business owner than I ever did for being a sprinkler guy. Um, I had a, a, a second cousin who's also in this industry and we were out shooting with our, our regional uh, wholesale manager. And he, the way he introduced me, he said, you know, I'm a, I'm a sprinkler guy who happens to be in business. Aaron is a business guy who happens to be in sprinkling. And I thought that really hit home with me. Yeah. Wow. I love that. You, so, wow, man, that takes me in, in 25 different directions. One thing as an aside, when you left your father, when you left the business, I mean, was that, was that a separation with your dad for a while or did he understand I mean, a controlling linear guy? Like, how was that for you? Um, so that was, that was a, a struggle more business wise and work relationship than personal. Um, mm. my, my dad is probably my greatest mentor. I, I love my dad. We don't think alike. Um, and we butted heads hard. We're both firstborns, um, and really struggled along, along those lines when I came into the company. Um, I think that relationship got worse. Uh, I don't think I know that relationship got worse. Um, and we had a 20 year buyout. Um, first 10 years, he had control. After that, I hit over 50%. I took 100% control. And then it was just a loan to pay him off. Mm. Um, and so in that uh, process time of those first 10 years, it just got worse and worse and worse that I went, hey, we should do this. And he would go, no. And uh, he would go, all right, try that. That doesn't work. And it, the the more I changed things, the more I got into his backyard of what he was really good at and passionate about. And so even the way that he bid, um, he, he would do it. He would say um, as much by gut as by science. 
And so he would chicken scratch on a napkin and come up with a price and know how it felt from five years ago and what that job should be because he'd done it forever. Um, or he was using a bid sheet from my grandpa from the 60s and I wanted to have a spreadsheet where he plugged everything in and we were job costing everything and he was more interested in getting the job done faster and then seeing whether they made money at the end of the year. And he was good at that. Um, but we just had different mentalities on on running a company. Yeah, well, you said you're a businessman in sprinklers. Your dad sounds like he was a sprinkler guy that was running a business as well, correct? You're correct. And, and he was probably less that way than my grandfather, who had a sixth grade education. Sure. Um, and, and he had gone into the business coming out of plumbing and HVAC. And, and my dad had come in from having a master's degree in college and learning systems for running things in a university and working with administration. And so he, he had a little bit more of a business picture and business education than what my grandfather did, but he was still, he, he had to struggle and had to grind to get the business off the ground. He had to do every single job in the company. And when I came in, it was more of a size and scale that it was about developing the business instead of developing a job. Um, they say the difference between an, an employee and a small business owner is the small business owner owns his job and the employee works for somebody. The difference between the big business owner and a small business owner is the big business owner owns a system and the small business owner owns a job. So I like that a lot. So seven years ago, you implemented traction, and this is where you define these values that you talked about, correct? Yes. But but prior to that, so am I, if I'm getting the timeline right, was it 20 years or about no, 10 years of your dad having control before you then had control? So is it about three years into your time as the sole uh, sort of controlling entity? Is that when you, you implemented traction? Uh, yeah, four, three or four, four, I think, because um, right. I've been bought out now for a little while. Tell me about that, that decision. Like, so was the decision to do, I'm really curious about the path here because, you know, you, you, you entered a business that isn't necessarily, you know, a business that you have passion for. It is business that you have passion for, but not this particular type of business, this particular type of entity was, was implementing traction. Like, uh, was that a pivot point for you? Like, I don't know if I want to keep doing this. I need a better system. Was that a revelation for you or did you trip into, oh, if I, I own the system as a big business owner, I can create the system and I own a system. I'm, I'm curious if it was a saving grace for you or if it was just kind of on the path of progress for you. Um, both. I think both. So um, when, when we did it, um, you know, I'd been at this and had to grind and didn't love being a small business owner. And I, I, uh, I read traction was recommended by someone in our industry to read that. And it hit home. I, I couldn't set it down. Um, but the one that I think impacted me even more was the book Rocket Fuel by Gene Whitman, uh, where he talks about the visionary integrator relationship. And I realized I'm a sucky integrator. Like I have all these big ideas and I take things and explode them and then I run off to the next thing. And then I do that again. And then I don't settle things down. And then five years later, I'll go, well, I told you to do this. And we started doing this five years ago. Why aren't we doing this well? And I went, I need somebody alongside me who's this guy who grinds and, and makes systems and makes processes go. And I need my team to be on the same board because, I mean, they they were referring to me as the hurricane or, I mean, the, the swirling vortex or, I mean, other things because I'd be chasing anything and everything out there that was the next interesting, crazy idea, whether it was in the company or out of the company. Oh, man. And um, 
And so leveling it out and going that way. I also started um, a peer group of guys from my industry that we took about um, about 10 guys who were the top guys in the industry from around the northern part of the country and starting to talk with them. And it, I mean, it just gave me more and more ideas of things we can incorporate and change. And and then I had all my own things going and it just got messier and messier without me <laughs> working in a system. Hmm. Wow. Did you develop an integrator or did you have to hire an integrator? Uh, both. So we hired someone um, and it was interesting. I, I hired or paid for a company to review him after I'd met with him from someone from EO, not EOS, but the Entrepreneurs Organization yeah. had recommended him to me and I liked him. Um, he was a good guy, but I was really hesitant. I mean, it's it's hard to give your baby up, right? To give your family's baby up for a long, long time. And so he came on with us, but then he he was more of a, a third man than, than a second man or someone who was used to running the whole company. Mm. And so it's, it's taken time for him to really take that lead role and drive with it. What was, what was missing? What, what was the, the separation between him being a second man and a third man? Yeah, he's so a lot of times great. Well, the old line, um, and my wife absolutely hates this one. She's an educator, but it's A students work for B students who work in company is owned by C students. Yeah, so true. So right. True. Yeah. And so there's a reason for that because A students are spectacular at what they do, right? They, they're able to follow direction. They're able to follow the rules. They're able to work through things. But then B students are a little bit sloppier and don't care as much about perfection. So they're able to be managers, but to, to think outside the box, to be visionaries, to be um, people who are able to try and do different things and jump on things and are ADD enough to handle all the different facets of a business, it, it's hard. So my, my integrator to, he, he was someone who was more along that a minus B plus lines Got it. and to have to swivel into a whole bunch of different areas when he was really good at sales, but then he has to watch the finance and he has to learn the operations and he has to, it was a lot for him. I mean, it, it was, it was a major to throw at someone, this medium sized company that's um, technically oriented, that's going a whole bunch of different directions with someone who's the swirling vortex in front of it. And then say, "Hey, clean this up and make it neat and make it work better." Wow! Is he is he still there today? He, he is. Yeah. Oh, nice. How did that? Uh, so you you decided that you're going to give him give him some time, let him develop into that role, or? Yeah. So one one thing that uh, one of my again lines that I picked up over the years is my training process is number one, I do it and you watch. Um, number two, I do it and you help. So first year was kind of, I did it and he watched Okay. Um, and he helped some, but second year was kind of, I did it and he helped third year. He did it. I helped. Um, by the fourth year, it was supposed to be, he did it. I did something else. Um, and so we're still working on getting to that point, but <laughs> that's more and more of the ideas. I'm, I'm supposed to be doing something else and staying out of the way. They remind me that I'm not supposed to have uh, day-to-day responsibilities that I'm not supposed to do things which is super hard when you've grown up in this business and you care what shovel they use. Um, yeah. 
And, yeah. and so giving some of that up is hard and I don't always do a great job of it, but he's gotten better and better about taking hold of that as well as the team around him has learned that it's really their responsibility to own the operations or the finance piece or the customer service or the sales piece. Okay. Wow. Do you, um, I love that the, the phrase that came to mind is what is it? I do, we do, they do, right? Isn't that the, that I've heard that maybe David Osborne coined that or said that, but that's what you just went through, right? Like mm-hmm. I do it, watch me, we'll do it together. So, you know, you help me and then you do it and I'll, I'll kind of observe you. What are you supposed to be doing that they're telling you you should be doing something else? What, 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 what where are you supposed to be or what should you be doing? Yeah. So my title is the visionary. Um, that's this, the title like that's on your business card almost oh yeah that's my business card title ceo nice. visionary it's one of those terms i prefer the visionary title like right it. so i'm supposed to set the big big picture of where we're going um in 10 years in three years i have a hard time getting down below one year and i throw stuff at them that makes everybody in the room cringe and shake their head what that's do you mean like oh like what what is what do you mean by that Oh, like um, we took over uh, another company and over the years I've taken over a bunch of smaller irrigation companies. Um, and the one that we took over a year ago had a holiday lighting division. And and they were a small company with only two people, um, three people, I guess. Um, and so we kind of took it over and, and my team ran it and learned from them and they kind of ran it with them and showed them what they do. And I went, I don't like that. We're not going to do that. So they did mainly greens where you got to order all the live stuff and put stuff together. And it, it was, it's high hands-on, high maintenance, high contact. And I said, hey, we can put this into a bulk system. And I think we can sell um, six times this year what we did last year. And they all went, oh, crap. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't get to run that, right? I throw out the ideas and the concept and the vision. And then uh, the, our, our integrator, he tames that and goes, okay, I get what he's talking about, what he's seeing can happen, but maybe this is our three-year plan, not in the next three months. Interesting. As the visionary, what is the do in any of this? Is there any do for you? So when we had an implementer, so the implementer is the guy you hire outside. The integrator is the guy inside who's who's your general manager. Um, the the implementer is your consultant. Um, and we had an implementer when we first started started with it. And I, I'm always remind, reminded at those conferences, um, the old Henry Ford line to take it from the Detroit guys, that the hardest work is thinking. And so I'm supposed to be thinking and looking at what's possible um, a, a lot of times. Um, I'm, I'm also told by my, my integrator regularly that I'm supposed to be grandpa. So I'm supposed to be patting people on the shoulder and encouraging them and what they're doing and reminding them that of how much we we impact our community and the reason for this, um, because it's still my baby. It, it's still my family's name on this. It's still my community that we're we're trying to help and and impact. And and really, I mean, you heard my core values. Um, I'm I'm not in this business anymore, Jamie, to 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 make a bunch of money. Um, and, and my grandpa and my dad would both say uh, before I got in or early on that that you you don't get rich doing sprinkling, you make a living. And I've discovered that's true. Like I've, I've always done okay, um, but I, I'm here to help our community and to help people. That's more my core value than, than having a big bankroll. Um, and I feel like if we help people, that's that's really the win, so. 
Yeah. I, Aaron, I, I got to ask, how do you, if you have the the vision, right? Because this is what would probably really piss me off. And I say, okay, we're going to go in this direction in the next year, right? And then the um, and then the integrator says, whoa, 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 let let's slow that down. Let's do that in three years. Like, wouldn't you be thinking like, no bullshit? Let's get this thing done in one year. Like, how do you know that you need to just say, okay, I'm going to take a step back and and let the process go. Welcome to our fights, Grant. Um, <laughs> yeah. So we we have a same page meeting once a month. Um, okay. And that's when I get to step on him. Um, so I stay. Hey, I still sign your check. You need to step up. Um, we can't go from I just threw out that we're going to sell an extra million dollars, and you now have turned it to fifteen thousand. This is not reasonable. We need to settle someplace in between. Um, because it is, almost seemed like maybe they could just, uh, you know, be lackadaisy about it and be like, oh, you know, and, and try to almost a cop out. Right. So you you're there to push. Right. Yep. So they they stay safe. They they keep the systems. They organize the mess. I, I'm the one who makes the mess. Um, yeah. I'm the one who is the entrepreneur who's chasing the next thing. I'm the one who's doing big relationship things. Um, who I'm, I'm out meeting with EO or involved in GoBundance or mm-hmm. um, doing things along that line. Cause I, yeah, cause I always, when I, when I hear that, and I've heard this before, you know, about um, how the, how the, you know, EOS operates and all that. And I always think it's some big rosy, um, you know, uh, back and forth with the company, but it, it's nice to hear. It's not, that's not what no. happens. You, you it's go in, go in a private room and punch each other. So people don't <laughs> see you. Okay. That's a, good to know. What a massive, so Grant just said, it's nice to hear that you don't have synergy. That's great, Grant. That's, <laughs> no, that's cause that would, that's what would piss me off. I'd be, <laughs> I'd be the same way going, Hey, I'm, I'm here to push. And then I would think that the other people are like, Oh, well, why don't we just slow down? And that, that would, that would piss me off. So. So I remember from marriage counseling class a long time ago, Masters in Divinity back, and they said, if two people agree on everything, one of them's not necessary. And I think Ooh. the same thing with the, the visionary integrator relationship. Wow. That could be a that's podcast deep. title for this episode. Holy cow. Yeah. That's amazing. I love that. That's a great, great point. If two people are in agreement, then one of them is not necessary. That's awesome. That's a great way of looking because, you, you know, I yeah. think a lot of leaders uh, want their way right? Like you agree with me. That's the W2 world. That's probably one of the things I didn't like about it was comply, comply with my wishes, not, not let's talk about what's, what your, what's, what capabilities there are and fill in and give me context and let's agree on something that makes sense, but comply. And I love that. If you're in agreement, then one of you is not necessary. That's a great, great point. A students Um, for B students who work in companies owned by C students. It's the same (laughs) thing again, right? The C students who never comply would never do it. It's the A students who make the spectacular employees. I'm so, so glad I was a C student now. That's awesome. As a C to D student. D students must be like Elon Musk. Yep. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I want to talk about some of the stuff that I know you've done, you know, the adventure, the kind of where lifestyle is going for you and all of that. But one thing uh, I, I kind of jotted down as we were talking through it, I, I don't know, maybe, maybe this is like, this was like, well, duh for you, but in your values, you started with Jesus, then family. Talk to me about that. I'm curious. Like I, it's not, I don't have a judgment on it, but as a guy that I haven't, I'm spiritual, not religious, they say, right? Like I, I believe in a higher power. I, I live my life uh, in that way, but I'm, I just, 
the religion part of it has always been something that's bothered me. So when you, not so when, listening to Jesus first, then family, for me, I feel like I would have gone the other way, like my family, my faith. Talk to me about the decision. Was it a decision or was it just sort of a natural inclination? No decision. Um, so so when you say if you're spiritual but not religious. Such a cliche. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not religious, I'm relational. Um, so I, I truly believe that there's a, there's a peace with Jesus Christ, that if he's in your life um, and the Holy Spirit moves into your heart, they talk about um, accepting Jesus and uh, I mean, you guys have heard the thing, I'm sure, a bunch of times, but but it really changes who you are when you uh, turn that foundation over to looking for something bigger and higher than you are. Um, and by looking for Jesus in my life, it makes my family better. It makes my ability to impact others. Um, and so if I'm running my decision-making filter and I've got to decide whether to give up my family or to give up my my core value number one um i'm i'm gonna give up my family um and that's super hard for me to say i love yeah. my family i have three okay. amazing boys my wife and i have been married for 23 years you hear how connected i am with family four generations living around me and spread out um it's it's not that that's not important but my my connection with Jesus Christ and him saving me from all the stupid things that I've done. And we could get into that. I've done lots of stupid things and made lots of mistakes and I'm selfish at the core, but um, changing who I am from the inside out is, is much, much bigger than, than anything else in my life. Being authentic to you first. That I think is the mm -hmm. difference. Again, I, I, being a midlife entrepreneur, as you mentioned a moment ago, I, I really do observe entrepreneurship. You know, I've had the opportunity to meet with you. Uh, you know, we, we're familiar with like Ryan Murdoch, Brandon Turner, people like that. Osborne, some of the other guys in GoBundance, uh, Grant even, right? Like guys that I'm around all the time. Like you observe the tendencies of entrepreneurs. And a lot of it for me is, can I define myself as, like, I see what you've done and even just the values you laid out. And it's like, shit, I'm not, an, that's an entrepreneur, right? Like I'm not an entrepreneur. So I look for those things that, that I, I relate to. And I've used the word defiance. I see, I see inner defiance in every good entrepreneur that I know, right? They just no, not that way. It's going to go like, it's gotta be this way. Just zig when they're zagging. So I relate to that. What you just talked about is what I think is the next level and probably aspirational for me, which is 100% commitment to you, who you are and your authenticity without compromise, even family, even the mm -hmm. thing that we we are taught or are told is number one, not a family, right? But you've made that decision that you and being true to you is number one. And I hope you never have to make the decision, obviously, between family and your faith. But um, man, that resonates with me. Go ahead. Yeah. So, so ironically, Jamie, and uh, when I was um, in the school up in the UP, um, the church that I went to had something on the wall that said joy, and it was written vertically. So it was J-O-Y down the wall. Yep. And it was Jesus, others, you. And um, and so I think that's that's the model that Christ laid out is your life is better the more that you put one, um, a greater power and a greater purpose behind your life. Two, that you put other people and impacting the world ahead of your own life. And then third, you put yourself. So my family lands in that at the top of that other section. And then my own best really comes from passing 
over my my own needs and wants and looking towards something bigger. Um, we always, I mean, sin back to, man, I can't believe how much I'm getting back to working on a master's in divinity. But one thing I read one time is uh, uh, that sin is defined as selfishness. And, and so whenever you're putting yourself in front of things, I mean, the Bible talks about sin and they never define that very well, but your life is so much better if you get away from me, 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 I, me, my, I think are the most selfish, sinful words in the dictionary. Um, and you start going bigger. And, and really, I think that's when you, it, I mean, you talk to tons of entrepreneurs when they start looking at things, when they start seeing that they really want to give back, um, they start going, man, my bigger house doesn't really matter. My business doing a hundred million dollars doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's these relationships that I have, how I'm impacting the world that has a much bigger piece of my heart and my world I mean, you can have as many storage containers as you want, but it doesn't make you happy. Mm-hmm. I love it, man. Uh, sin, by the way, selfishness. They got to, they got to, at that place that you went to, the divinity school there, they got to make an acronym with that because the S in sin and selfishness, like selfishness is nuts or, or something, <laughs> right? Like, there you go. Yeah, the, next to joy. Oh, boy. Yep. I'm helping. I like, I like yeah. it. Right? Others. Yeah. Grant, what we just yeah. learned from Aaron, I'm helping others. Yes. Aaron, what's uh, back back to the show. How is your uh, relationship with your dad right now? I wanted to ask you that. Um, I, I think spectacular at this point. Um, he and I are going up with my boys. We're going uh, riding side-by-sides. Um, okay. Once we got out of, uh, in the UP, uh, up on Drummond Island, but um, once we got out of that business relationship, that we were a couple of type A's and, and once I matured and started becoming a lot of an idiot, um, our relationship got better and better. Uh, I think 17 to, to 30, especially I was figuring out who I was trying to define that kind yeah. of, um, fighting with those things, trying to find my purpose. And, um, and so my dad come, he does what he wants, when he wants, how he wants. People have always ask me what he's doing. And so he comes into the company and he still loves working. So he tests backflows for us or he runs errands for my people or he helps me with anything. I mean, he's really just got a heart to pitch in to, to help people be better. Um, and and I, I really appreciate more the things that I used to fight against all the time, the ability to grind and be able to stay after it and uh, to just uh, move the, the cart down the road. And I'm not as good at that. I mean, so, so he thinks I'm crazy the way that I run the business and the way that I operate in life. But at the same time, he now has appreciation for it instead of a conflict with it. Got it. What um, you mentioned failures a moment ago. Is there a, is there a, is there one like one that taught you the biggest lesson? Is there a failure that stands out when you think about things that that have gone in any in any area, business, life, relationships, whatever it is? Like, is there one that jumps out and any lessons you extracted from that? Um, yeah. So uh, another good book, but uh, probably it's not my seminary appropriate book is WTF, which is will, willing to fail. Um, <laughs> um, it. Yeah. And, and I think. For for me, I've I've realized that that failure is okay. 
Um, I, when I went through school and I, I think, especially I talk about that time again, floating back to seminary, but I, at that time in life, I, I loaded up the back end of my pickup truck with everything I owned. Um, I got accepted like the week before, um, drove across the country with a buddy, dropped him off in Seattle. He took the paid for his bus ticket back and I slept in the back 40 at the seminary when I arrived. Um, and I, I got to class and not having a shower for the last about a week. And, um, and it was all guys who were like in their late thirties, forties, fifties, who are going back to school to become pastors at pretty traditional churches. And I went, Oh yeah, I am out of my comfort zone. And then we started going through classes and uh, studying Hebrew and, and um, working on Old Testament theology and and a bunch of those pieces, and um, and I went, ooh, I'm really out of my element, and and got some really good mentors there. Um, I restored an old Studebaker with the pastor that I lived with, who was the head of the Evangelical Free Church of Canada, and I was really good at that. I ended up doing um, construction and building a gym down in Ferndale, Washington, for another boss. Um, I was the assistant manager at an athletic club across the border at that time and um, and just became real obvious that this wasn't my calling. But I really went, I am over my head. I am broken. I don't have any friends out here. I don't have any family. I don't have any support system. And, and I, it was a time for me that was very, very humbling. I, I felt like that was the first time that I really toppled and failed. Um, and, I, and I didn't get why because... Honestly, I felt like I was following what the Lord wanted in my life. Um, and looking back at it, I was. Mm. But what he wanted was to humble and to teach me. And so I look at a lot of those failures now as as opportunities for growth instead of areas that I'm falling down in, if that makes sense. It does yeah. completely. I like that. I Googled the book. I see it. WTF. Willing to fail. I'll have to grab that. I like the title. At, at, a, at a minimum, I got to read it because of the title. So I yeah, appreciate absolutely. that. That's how he sold most of them, I think. Yeah, yeah. The um, your, your wife is Canadian, I believe, correct? Correct. Is that how you met through your travels to Canada? How did you, how did you and your wife cross paths? Yeah, Northern Ontario she's from. So she's from an island out in Lake Huron. Um, and oh. she was homeschooled growing up. And, and so... Uh, where I went to school in the UP was right on the border overlooking Canada. Mm. And one of my buddies uh, was involved with the Wesleyan church that I was involved with there. And he'd come over and we'd ski and rock climb and we're always doing something. And then she and her friends started coming over to Bible study that I was leading at church. And uh, so really pretty girl and went, Oh man. Um, and so I had serious interest. And so I started chasing her and she had come off of a rough relationship and said, I want nothing to do with you. <laughs> um, and so we continued to be friends and hang out for a long time after that. But it took uh, over five years until she finally agreed that uh, she'd put up with me and and be called my girlfriend instead. But kind of her uh, her <laughs> deal was, yeah, if we're going to date, we're going to get married. So it kind of started out that way. So it was interesting. Wow. Well, it worked out, right? It's been a while. So <laughs> yeah. Good. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love it. That's incredible. If we're going to date, we're going to get married. That's a woman who knows what she wants. So good for you. Mm -hmm. um, 
Oh man, I, a thought came into my head and it popped back out on, oh, adventure. I wanted to get into adventure because I know you've done a lot of traveling. Um, you, you ran across uh, Ryan Murdoch, who if anybody listens to Bigger Pockets or knows of Bigger Pockets, Ryan is uh, one of the one of the partners in Open Door Capital with Brandon Turner um, and a great dude. I just talked to him this past week about this thing I'm putting together in the Dominican Republic. Um, he really gave me a lot of perspective and thoughts on how to run it, how to organize it and everything. But uh, Ryan aside, adventure talk about that what is that what is that in your life like how much of it do you do what are what are some of the bucket list stuff that you have done that you're trying to do just kind of give me an overview of because you spend a lot of time traveling yes so it's got the crimp on it obviously ryan and i met just before covid um i was over in i'm gonna tell that story quick jamie i know that's not exactly but um so i was over in uh, malaysia slash indonesia visiting my brother and sister-in-law who are missionaries over there and um and they run a school for uh for kids and for students in indonesia so uh we toured malaysia and then my brother-in-law loves diving um and i said let's go diving then and where's the best place over in your part of the world and so he goes oh i've always wanted to go to komodo but i can't afford it i'm like we're going let's do this and so we we got it he got it all scheduled and planned a liveaboard boat that you go and you dive off this liveaboard for a week and they serve you local food and none of the guys speak English. And pretty much uh, our line got to be eat, sleep, dive. But when we arrived there, we were gonna be the only two on the boat. And there was another boat down the way that had one American on it. And, um, and they said, well, we're gonna put him on your boat and we're gonna combine the boats. And the boats are set up for like 10 people. So it made sense. We each had our own room. It was no problem. Sure. And um, that, that guy, I, I walked up and, and he's wearing a bigger pocket shirt. <laughs> bigger pockets. Wow, that's interesting. I listened to that a bit. And um, he's like, really? And he's like, yeah, I live with Brandon Turner. And, uh, <laughs> oh, and we just hit it off right from the start. And so, I mean, from anything from old Jeeps to he's from northern, from Maine to yeah. from Michigan. I mean, just... I mean, so we spent a week laying out in the sun, diving together, just hanging out and got to be really good friends. And so that's actually how I got connected with GoBundance too, yeah. is I said, hey, I'm sick of I'm sick of small business owners, people who own their jobs, and this isn't what I'm looking for in my life. Where do I go, Ryan? Or what? And, and he, we're just messaging back and forth or texting. He says, you should check out GoBundance. Mm. And so I hooked up with you a couple of years ago, Jamie, but yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I, I've gone a lot of other places. I climbed Kilimanjaro, uh, highest peak in Africa. Uh, climbed uh, up Akangawa, the the highest peak in the western and southern hemisphere. Um, uh, a couple of weeks ago, I was over in the Boundary Waters with a bunch of guys, and we were living out of a canoe for a week. Um, I take my boys and they become thirteen to Isle Royal up in northern Michigan, uh, the the least visited but most returned to national park in the United States. Um, all there are on that island are red squirrels, moose, and uh, wolves. Um, so we can we can leave, we live out of a canoe for a week, and um, and do that. I do a lot of four wheeling. I like I like skiing. Um, I don't know. The list goes on and on. So it's whatever squirrel comes up at, at that point. I mean, uh, I I do some mission work. Uh, we build houses down in Guatemala. Yeah. Um, I I could I could go off on any of these 
just sort of a long bang. We can do the whole podcast on something here, so yeah. don't let me get misdirected. But, no, 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 no. Um, it's great. I, I, I just think I love how you live. I love the 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 lessons that you have around yeah. you know Jesus, others, you, um, and how you you abide by that and live by that, and you see what your lifestyle is. Again, like I, I was just talking to people about uh, pods. Um, somebody was saying about their pod being stale, and I always give this advice to people. It's like, well the pod is stale for you. My question is, what is your, give me the other pod mates in your pod. Like what's their number one ambition and what do they need from you? And none of them know it. They don't know. Mm -hmm. Right. Like, and you know, it sounds pie in the sky, but in that, in the pod, I believe that when you deliver, uh, when you intend in the pod to go in there to help other people to be like, okay, I don't, I'll get what I get, but I want to know what your ambition is, Aaron, and where you need a support, accountability, connection, whatever it is I can give you that's where you derive value. Right. And it's exactly how you live your life. And you are, you're one of those examples I can Example. use of saying, if you live this way, mm-hmm. then you live this way, right? Like if you live this way of putting, you know, others first and, and, and yourself kind of, you know, giving and, and contributing, look at the life you can have. It's incredible what you, what you've created for yourself. I love it. What has GoBundance done for you or been for you? Or what's the most value you've gotten from GoBundance as being a member? I know you're fairly new, but you've been around it a little bit. Yeah. Um, so, so I think like with any organization like that, that you go to, it's, it's the people around you. Right. So um, I was in the uh, uh, Lake Okanee in Georgia here a week or two ago and um, sitting down and meeting some of the guys from my GoPod the first time, as well as uh, meeting other people and connecting with people from the event that I went to in Steamboat a couple years ago. Uh, the people there are not your normal box. Um, when you sit down with the GoBundance people, and I think especially the Champions Group is is that much worse or better that way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, that they're, yeah. yeah, they're a little bit crazier. Um, they have tried some things. Um, and and for me, I think it keeps that fire in my belly a little bit to to chase the next thing, right? I go, I mean, I came home with more notes out of the last GoBundance event that I've got from any conference. And we met for like three hours, right? So listen to p- other people's one sheets, having them tell about uh, their bucket list adventures. And I'm like, I'm in, I'm coming. So um, whatever it is, um, has been really inspiring for me or or things even in their life or business that they want to do with their money or that I, I've been able to grab onto those, some of those things and go, I should be applying that to my life. And, and I don't get that when I go and hang out with a bunch of guys that I went to high school with or mm-hmm. from my business or even other local business owners. Um, GoBundance has just been one step beyond that way. Love it, man. Well, what is next? You mentioned you've got all these ideas where you want to go. Like, what's the what's the what's Aaron 3.0 or 4.0 or whatever version is coming? Yeah, when people ask that, you got I, my first question is always what category. <laughs> yeah, good point. Fair enough. Yeah. Fair enough. Let's let's go with it. Let's do business. Let's what what is next in business for you? Um, so fun one that I keep kidding about just because it's a fun conversation. I've mentioned it to you a couple of times, Jamie, is I, I bought a prison here recently from the state. <laughs> and, um, and so I've gotten into self-storage lately, but I don't think I've done it quite as traditionally as most people do it. Um, buying a prison is not a traditional self-storage facility. I had a buddy who had it and we've gotten into that. Um, I, I just had a meeting this morning that we bought a couple of big warehouses out on the lake in Muskegon. 
um, that we're converting. And I've got a business partner in that who's kind of an e-commerce specialist. Mm. And um, he's running with that. So business-wise, I'm chasing that. Um, I, I bought one with a couple bro, GoBros who asked me to partner. And they said, you can be an equal partner. Um, we're buying this one. And I said, it's way too, as the one guy called it, vanilla for me. Um, this is too boring. Um, and so they bought it and I bought in at 10% and put my money down just to learn the game a little bit, to be able to play the game, to be able to study. And that's been some of the big piece from Go Abundance too, is just being with people who, who are trying things and you can check things out from and learn from. Um, so for me, another big one is um, I've got some patents running. And I'm not going to, you asked what's off limits earlier. That's that yeah. one's made a little bit off limits because I, sure. I need some non-disclosure agreements, but I, I've got a prototype built by an engineering company that I've been working with for about the last six months. And it's really complicated piece and um, I, way over my head. I don't even know which direction to go with this thing because I don't know anybody who's done anything like this or, or done something of this scale or level. Um, so that's one of the next things in business wise, as far as the underground sprinkling business, um, uh, we've got three year, 10 year plans laid out. Um, they're continuing to grind. We're trying to fill in our winter doing the holiday lighting. Um, we're continuing to build what we regularly doing. We're doing some landscape lighting. Um, but, but that's not, that's not at an air and crazy level. Um, that's at our integrator managed level. Um, so there's, there's less in business there. I keep getting asked to be in service businesses because I have been a service contractor and they want me in, um, for thought process and for systems and for just experience with that stuff. So at some point I may dig into some more things like that, but right now I, I probably have enough irons in the fire, at least on that end for the moment. I think the, yes. And I think the, um, the prison you could have a lot of fun with, like you should name it like justice storage or something like that, you know, give it, <laughs> give it a prison theme. Like a single bay would be like solitary. And then if they get it, you know, like you can, yeah. <laughs> you, yeah. could, you could have a lot of fun with that. There's a prison in, in Boston that was remade into a, um, a uh, luxury hotel called the Liberty hotel. And like one of the restaurants is the clink, you know, it's like, they, they just did it all justice themed. So just an idea. Yeah, very cool. Yeah. yeah, we've talked about a lot of things with it. We're, I think we're keeping the old prison name at this point, so we'll uh, we'll see. People are familiar with that. I love it. All right, let's jump over and wrap this up with a question from the GoBundance card game. The question: Seven of Diamonds is, what would you love to see our country start doing? Ooh, big question. Ooh, man, that's that's a serious question. Loaded, yeah. Yeah. So the, the one I've got to say after a whole podcast and talking is, is really looking for what the Lord wants in their life. Um, so I think that can direct everything. Um, if, if we had some more values as a country that were consistent, um, that we worked on, I, I think it would direct a lot more things that way. Um, right now, we're so divided politically um, and, and values wise and generationally, and we, we don't have a common compass. So I, I think if our, our country had something that, that we were all pulling towards, that we were all shooting for, they talk about wars doing that, right? Mm -hmm. Bringing everybody together. Mm -hmm. and, and right now we're so divided. It just, and, and you, with social media, you can't have a conversation uh, with someone over, over Facebook because if your political views are different, then, then you can be alienated and they can call you out in writing and they never have to face you or they just... I mean, it's just weird. Um, 
So I, I feel like that's that's a big way that our country could change. If we had common values and we could have conversations, it, it would be a game changer. I agree completely. Yeah. Wow, I love that, man. That's a great answer to that question. I didn't know where that was going to go, so that's a great answer. Uh, Grant, <laughs> yeah. anything we want to wrap up with? What do you think? Any, any, any high points for you or questions or anything you want to wrap with? Yeah, one thing I want to know is tell me about your lawn. Is it green and beautiful or is it uh, lush? You don't even have a sprinkler system. You don't have a sprinkler system. <laughs> yeah, so uh, my wife won't let me put one in our cottage. Um, I knew it. Okay. We have to mow it too much, but my lawn is it the best lawn in the neighborhood. We live out in okay. Boone. We're not in a neighborhood. Um, and so if I wasn't in this business, it wouldn't be, but I designed a sprinkler system where we test every possible product or idea with it. Um, so I have all the highest tech controller, um, even though I don't run it myself, um, my guys come and service it. Um, and then I have one of the companies we work with handles everything. So it's who, not how. Um, nice. So I, I'm not doing anything on my own lawn. I, I don't work on my own grass. Um, I, I don't mow it. I don't fertilize it. I don't sprinkle it. Um, I try and find the best people to take care of it. And I am connected with those people very well. Nice. Great book too. Who, not how. Absolutely. Yeah. All right, Aaron, where can you direct people to either follow you, reach out, whatever it is you want to do, company website, Instagram handle, anything that you want to, you want to drop so people can uh, learn more about you. Sure. Our, our website for Grapids is grapids.com. Um, and uh, if they want to connect with me, I, I'm on Facebook. That's an easy place. Um, I feel like I'm old. I, I coach high school tennis and none of those boys use it. So it's like, man, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm off the generational scope and not on the cutting edge anymore. But, um, and if they want to reach out to me personally, my, my email is Aaron at rapids.com. Appreciate it, man. Thanks for being on. I appreciate you being here. This was fun. I, I mean, just a great story. I knew we were going to get a lot of great insight mm -hmm. from you. So I appreciate you pouring your heart into this and, uh, we'll see you soon. Sounds great. Thanks, Jamie.